Welcome to another episode of the Command Team Corner. Today, we're addressing a few related topics, including extremism, unprofessional military conduct, mis- and disinformation, and permissible online behavior by service members. It's an important conversation as DoD continues to grapple with extremism and disinformation. What you'll hear is that it's really a two-part issue of both reinforcing our soldiers' strong foundation of their professional military ethic and preparing our soldiers to defend against cognitive attacks in the information environment. We hope this will spur continued dialogue in the force. So let's get to the show. So, gentlemen, thanks for coming on the podcast today to talk about some topics that have been on a lot of people's minds as we continue to see reporting about extremism in the military. I think it's important up front to note that the term extremism itself can be just a tad problematic because it's a very narrow definition when it talks about affiliations with specific groups. And that's something that Secretary Austin has recently announced the department is working on to better define. And we're probably talking a little bit more about extremist ideologies or points of view than affiliations necessarily themselves. And it may be better described by talking about an erosion, talking about professionalism, some fuzziness maybe of identities that you know could be occurring in some within the command. So, sir, you recently sent a message to the force that addressed this topic, and you did frame it by reminding everyone of our professional ethic, also talking about how a piece of the problem is being susceptible to disinformation, whether from extremist organizations, conspiracy theorists, or our adversaries. Can you expand on that message and kind of reiterate what you uh, sent to the force, sir? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we all joined the military to be part of something much bigger than ourselves, and we swore an oath to the Constitution to protect it from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that's got to be the overriding principle for everything we do. That's who we are as a nation, and that's who we need to continue to be as a nation. Our people see the Army as a big part of guaranteeing those freedoms that we all cherish. And so when we deliberately do things, whether in the information space or in public forums that discredit what we took an oath to swore to defend, it makes us look really, really bad. And no one gains more from that than our enemies. And it's obvious that China, Russia are investing a lot of time, effort, money, and resources to try to discredit us because as RSOF, we are a highly effective tool of the United States government. And to discredit us drives a wedge between us and the people that we serve. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. And so when we promulgate misinformation or we disinform deliberately our own population, we're, we're helping the enemy. And I think we've got some great experts in here. We've got the first SFC JAG and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Eric Johnson, who was our former G9, who will be coming back to us this summer, who are the experts in the field. There's misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation out there all over the information space. So social media, you might be comfortable with the fact that you think you're in a protected forum, but there's no such thing. If you're on cyberspace and you're saying things, everyone just in the back of your mind think, I'm putting this on the front page of the Wall Street Journal because it's going to come out. There's people out there trolling for information, planting seeds of misinformation that people think are factual, and then they react to it. And then if you haven't seen some programs out there like The Social Dilemma or read books like uh, Like War, uh, you can see how the Russians use trolls to go out there, look for those bits of misinformation, and then promulgate it out in social media, and then the public picks up on it. And they rely on the fact that messages carry much more emotion when anger is the really the operating mechanism. So people see something that makes them angry, and then they respond faster than any other emotion. And so they use that to get misinformation spread across the IE. And then as we react inappropriately, they use it as a tool and it's a weapon directly against us. You know, I imagine having that strong ethical, moral ethical 
professional military ethic foundation of an identity of who I am as a professional military soldier will help kind of protect against some of that disinformation. I think that was, you know, definitely part of the message to the force was understanding that we swore an oath to the Constitution to protect and defend. Having that strong kind of foundation is one method. I'd like to go ahead and transition to you, Colonel Johnson. You know, you've been looking at this problem really hard for the last year or so, 18 months with some of the big minds out there on the subject. What are some of the things you've been looking at? What are you seeing in your research and maybe some of the ways we're able to address the problem? Thanks, Dan. Yeah, so it started for me uh, last fall. We were looking at, you know, our adversaries spreading misinformation about COVID. And it was affecting our soldiers whether or not they wore masks or wanted to get immunized. And you're still seeing the reverb of some of that. But then came to uh, January 6th and some of the violence we saw at the Capitol and uh, with some of the extremist organizations that came to bear. The fact that what we're seeing is in my research is people want to believe these things. It's like they want to believe in the conspiracy series. They want to believe the missing disinformation that comes before them. Part of that, what I'm seeing is called the echo chamber effect. They want to believe a certain set of things. They pick their friends on social media. They picked what they like to see. The algorithms will promulgate that. And when you see one sliver, as the CG mentioned, of anger or discord, it's easy for our adversaries to exploit that. That's what I do as a psychological operations officer. And that's exactly what our adversaries are doing to you. You are giving the adversary all the target audience information they could ever want on your pages, right? And you're letting them into your world. So even if you think it's a trusted source, where did they get that information from? So again, once it gets infected, and as the CGs pointed out, it gets promulgated fast. Nothing travels faster than a rumor. You've probably heard that adage. And that's what we're seeing now. So to get past some of that, what we have to do is, is train people to understand that they have cognitive bias. It's built in. Everybody builds a kind of echo chamber of media. It's newspaper you subscribe to, the channels you watch, uh, how you pick your social media. So it's not about how you pick your friends, but what you choose to believe. There's a difference between truth and fact. All facts are truthful, but not all truth is fact. Because again, a belief can take you a different direction. So once we get people to understand that, and you understand cognitive bias and why it affects people and how you've chosen these things, then it's the understanding of how adversarial propaganda works. It's all kind of the same way. And again, as SOP officers, we're well equipped to train you how to do that. And then it's having the skills to actually fact check, understand intent. And if it's meant to be harmful, then what do you do about it for reporting? So I think we've got a way ahead that's going to come out in our next research product. I'm working with Dr. Peter Singer, who wrote Like War, and we've started to spread that throughout the force for all of DOD, but for the Army, I definitely think we have a good training model in place. With that, I'd like to have the JAG expound on that, the SJ, because really the new 600-20 does a lot of work in social media, and I think it's important for the force. Sure. Yeah, I'd like commenting on something the CG said, and that is that you know we took an oath to hold the Constitution. It's our obligation. And when we did that, we joined the Army, and we assumed some diminished rights in, in this organization. So our right to free speech, for instance, is diminished to the extent necessary to maintain good order and discipline. And so if you look at Army policy in 600-20 is the main one there, or DOD policy, you'll see this refrain over and over where we want to maximize the DOD and the Army wants to maximize free expression, but to the extent necessary to maintain good order and discipline. And that means whether you're on duty or off duty, conducting yourself professionally uh, and within the confines or the, uh, the edicts or the ethos or the uh, value system of the army. And commanders obviously have a, a right and an obligation to ensure that their soldiers are, in fact, conducting themselves accordingly, whether that's, again, online or in the office. And it could range from anything, as you mentioned, Dan, from extremist behavior to just disorderly conduct within the office. And commanders are, at all times should be policing that sort of behavior to ensure that we have a, a safe, productive workplace that supports army values. First SFC, we're, we value ourselves as a self-policing organization all the way down to the, the team level. So I think it's everybody's responsibility. Just as I would see a friend of mine if, on my team, if he's 
had a few too many beers and gets ready to get in a car, I'm obligated to stop him from doing that. And if I same thing, if I see him in social media acting foolishly, it's my responsibility as his teammate or her teammate to stop that person from harming themselves and harming the reputation and of the Army, SF command, and really, you know, the entire DOD. And then as a commander, what I want to do is make sure my soldiers are digitally literate before they get into those situations so they're understanding these things up front. We have our soldiers do digital literacy every year when they do cyber awareness training. But that's very technically based. We want to train to do now is be cognitively based as well. So you understand these things before they get into a compromising position. Yeah, and SWIC's done a great job of advancing that in the entry-level training of all of our soldiers. So if you're coming into the formation, you're going to get advanced IDM training, and you're going to get advanced counter-extremist training, how to recognize misinformation, disinformation, and what to do about it. And then as you come on board to our formations, we have, as you pointed out, we've got some advanced courses where we teach people how to exploit the information environment against our enemies. And then once you pick up on those tactics, techniques, and procedures, you know how they are using them against you. And then that way you're better informed and equipped to counter it. And then when we take that back to our partners, as yep. you're always professing, mm-hmm. that, that's a better way to arm our, our partners because they're getting hurt by our Pounded. adversaries as well. Yep. So this is as a a supportive role for our special forces C or SIP to go forward and, and help our partners be digital literate and defend themselves is, is going to be a key. And we've been tasked by the Army to lead turn this at the USOC level in partnership with R4 Cyber for the Army. The things that we're developing to prevent being exploited and to exploit others, that's going to proliferate across the Army at some point. Not only is it preventing ourselves from being exploited, but it's preventing, I think, the organization from kind of corroding from, from within, uh, from, from just a breakdown and dis- discipline within the unit and between uh, teammates. And I think uh, in- inoculating ourselves against the sort of disinformation kind of protects the force from that in that respect as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned inoculation. There's so many similarities as we talk about the extremist points of view, but then with the damages done with COVID, right, with these same forces tell ourselves not to wear masks or not to trust certain vaccines, it's really become a yep. deep-seated problem across the world that goes on today. And, and the Russians and Chinese have been masterful at, in the information space, falsely accusing our service members for starting COVID, spreading it into theaters, um, whether it's Indopaycom or UCOM. And it's left us, I don't want to say powerless, but it's it's been hard to refute it. Um, we do that in the information space, but the, the volume with which they use bots, puppets, and sock puppets and trolls has just been somewhat overwhelming. So we've got to start winning and start getting on the offense much more than we have been in the past. All right. Colonel Ford, sir, when we were talking earlier today uh, kind of about this subject, you know, we talked about as you're describing kind of what the lines are, what you can and can't cross when in uniform, we talked about soldiers are responsible for all content they publish whether the private secret Facebook group or with something they're you know putting online on Twitter or something for everybody to see that they want everybody to see. They're responsible for all that. But then it goes a step further, right, where we're responsible for affiliations. Could you talk just a little bit about that and kind of what that means? Sure, exactly. I mean, you are absolutely responsible for what you do and what you say, um, both in person and in online. And that's in your personal capacity. It's, it's while you're at work. And it's the same thing with affiliations, right? So who you choose to affiliate is flexion on yourself. And your affiliation might potentially have the effect of, of being service discrediting to the Army, uh, depending upon the organization with which you're affiliating. And it's also possible you could affiliate with organizations uh, that you might not entirely agree with all their views, but these views are being discussed on the page. You're aware of these discussions happening. You bear some responsibility for things that may come of that. So it's very important to recognize 
who you are affiliating with, even if you're not actively participating in those groups, discussions or those online discussions, you're still in that form and you're still going to be associated with the actions of that organization, that group. Potentially speaking out, speaking up or removing potentially yourself from that affiliation. Absolutely. I mean, at at the most extreme example, you could have online chats uh, talking about acts of violence, organizing acts of insurrection and things of that nature. Absolutely. As a, as a member of the Army, you have a duty to recognize that those events are taking place and to report them up to the chain of command. And a failure to do so could be could be problematic. The last question I had for today was, uh, I'm just wondering what if we have any comments on what the relationship is between identity and disinformation. Colonel Johnson, if you have any thoughts about kind of a, you know, if my identity is member of the nation's premier partnership force, I swore an oath to defend the Constitution. If it's not a strong identity, if it's not a strong foundation, then there may be some room for, for disinformation to kind of creep in and then take hold. Can you talk any more about that? I, I sure can, Dan. So the issue is, you know, identity forms over a lifetime. And getting into the military, particularly in our office, is an institutionalization process, right? So it becomes part of your identity, and it should be the better part of your identity. Uh, General Thomas used to call it the third persona, right? The first persona is the person you show to the world every day. Second is maybe your close friends and family. And the third is maybe the one that no one sees and maybe shouldn't. And this is one you saw come out recently a lot of people. A lot of times, online identities, because of this sense of anonymity, even though it's false, uh, people will say and do things on there that they wouldn't normally. As such, when, again, they're exposed to some of this disinformation, they're willing to react to that negatively and say these things and, and become involved in these chats and these activities that they wouldn't on an normal basis. I think you saw a lot of that this year. Some ways we're working at, to help with that. Dr. Singh is working on a program with uh, the University of Florida for cyber citizenship for children K through 12 to learn how to spot these things at an early age. Because by the time, again, we get recruits, 16, 17 years old, young officers in their early 20s, our identities already kind of being formed. So we want to start that beforehand, before you're, you're kind of bunkered up in your own ideology and you, you don't have an identity crisis when it comes to some of these things. So they're congruent with the, what the CG is saying about the Constitution and what you do for the nation. So if you don't have an identity crisis, as it were, we'll be better off. I imagine continuing throughout Boulder's service to continue to reinforce their service identity, professional military identity. And then, as uh, General Brennan said, self-policing, holding people accountable, reinforces that identity that we want folks to have to continue to kind of shore up that foundation. I think it's important. Yeah, just to play off what Eric said, ISIS uses that identity to separate people from the herd so that they can recruit them. Um, And then Russia similarly tries to put fractures within cohesive groups like the army and special ops to make it look like we're disaggregated and we're not unified. So we got to be aware of that. And then I would just say in no way, shape or form does being on social media give you any sense of anonymity. Um, just want to reiterate that. And then re- really what there's a lot of investigations going on across the DOD and the FBI has obviously lead for the, the incident on 6 January. And we're starting to see almost a 20% affiliation with DOD and the folks that have been arrested. So that that doesn't mean, you know, they're still doing analysis of the data, but it's looking like 20%, whether it's retirees, whether it's civilians, et cetera. So there, there definitely is a uniform service component of it. It's pretty small, but it's still um, pretty alarming. So we got something we have to fix across the force. When our adversaries are looking like the commander said, to, to pull somebody out of the herd, essentially it's grooming the same way an online herder would do to an individual. And there's different techniques you use. We talk about in our paper 
about identifying you and the appeals to authority, looking for biases that you have and these, these vulnerabilities as they were, and then exploiting those, right? So it's just something to be done to your, your children at home. Again, which is why it's important to teach cyber citizenship early. Again, because by the time you're an adult, I think the average age we saw on January 6th was folks in their 40s. It's hard to tell them these things, right? They don't believe it. So They're not digital natives. They're not digital natives, no, sir. And the AI-enabled algorithms within social media platforms enable that grooming at a much advanced pace and volume because it's built into the software. You've done all my targeting analysis yeah. for me. You've given me all the data me. I ever need. I will add a quick comment. I'll just mm-hmm. kind of get into the definition of extremism. For our purposes within the Army, we're referring to the, our organizations that promote discrimination, the use of force or unlawful means to deprive somebody of their rights or to achieve a goal or to encourage sedition or subversion. Okay, this would include, among other things, organizations that are looking to overthrow civil authority. So any of those organizations would be extremist or organizations. And then kind of the, the flip side of that is, is the commander's uh, obligation and inherent right to maintain good order and discipline within the organization, uh, which means they can look at anything and restrict anything that might affect good order and discipline, the military mission, uh, unit morale, uh, or readiness of the organization. So commanders, again, have a, an obligation to look after that within their formations. And that's why we're working with TRADOC on it, because it's got to become institutionalized, right? So it's the knowledge, skills, and attitudes that soldiers have to have. So it's the knowledge of those things. It's the skills to how to fact check and mm-hmm. identify you know, myths and disinformation. But then it's the attitude that knowing that you're not perfect, you may have made your own echo chamber unwittingly, you have to be able to break out of that to see these things clearly. Yep. We are in an information war with China right now, like it or not. It's part of their doctrine. They're not shy about hiding it, and they are using the uh, the unrest from this past summer as an information weapon against us, and they're promulgating it. They're in social media really putting gas on the fire. A lot of the negative messaging about the police and everything, that's a lot of it's being, the fire's being stoked by outside actors. And we're making it easy for them to do that. Yep. All right, sir. All right. I appreciate your time. Yep. It's been great, as always, on the Indigenous approach. This has been another episode of the Command Team Corner. If you have topics you'd like to see addressed by the Command Team, let us know on the Commander's blog located on the First Special Forces Command's portal page, or send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.